0: Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We ended last week's broadcast by acknowledging that God created two very different beings, man and woman. Not only different anatomically and physiologically, but emotionally, too. And to ignore this gap is to risk putting your marriage on the brink of disaster. Your spouse, by virtue of being the opposite sex, thinks, feels, and behaves differently than you do no matter what popular culture says. And popular culture would have us believe that we're really the same, just dressed up in different bodies. Well, mutual understanding in this area is critical for the health of your marriage. The feminist revolution of the 1970s made talk of inborn differences in the behavior of men and women not only unfashionable, but taboo. Once sexism was abolished, so the argument ran, the world would become a perfectly equitable, androgynous place aside from a few anatomical details. They said that male-female differences were not inborn, but simply learned, and thus they could be unlearned. But rather than disappear, the evidence for innate gender differences began to mount. Scientists, for example, uncovered neurological differences between the sexes both in the brain's structure and in its functioning. This forced every objective thinker to conclude that nature is at least as important as nurture after all. Even Betty Friedan, a catalyst for much of the feminist movement, had to say, The time has come to acknowledge that women are different than men. There has to be a quality that takes into account that women are the ones who have the babies. This is exactly what the creation story tells us. Men and women are different, but equal in value. While science has shown that men and women are in fact wired differently, that gender differences have as much to do with the biology of the brain as with the way we were raised, We have difficulty accepting, let alone appreciating, our differences. And, without mutual understanding in this area, a great deal of trouble in marriages begins right here. That's why one of the things I stress in the mutual understanding method is an understanding of male-female differences. Without this mutual understanding in this area, you will not recognize that some of the problems you are experiencing in your relationship are simply male-female differences, and they will always be there. Take a group of women and men and divide them so that the men are all in one group and the women in another. Then ask them, What do men need to know about women, and what do women need to know about men? The responses will be predictable. The men will say, "Ah, well, the women are too emotional. Women don't feel as much pressure to provide the family's income. Women frequently deny their real power. Women talk too much. And the women will say, Oh, Men aren't sensitive enough. Men don't do their fair share of the housework. Men are afraid to be vulnerable or out of control. Men don't listen. Such an exercise is not to gripe about the opposite sex, but to help couples see, first of all, that there are predictable differences between the sexes, and second, to realize that the differences they thought were personal, strictly between them and their spouse, are often shared by most other couples. Making marriage work, however, does not depend solely on recognizing our differences. It's a matter of appreciating those differences, too. Many couples will identify their differences and then try to eliminate them. But gender differences are not eased by creating or trying to create symmetry by having men and women thinking, feeling, and doing everything alike. The fact is that men and women are different. And couples who openly acknowledge their differences and appreciate them improve their chances of avoiding strife. Plus, they increase their mutual level of intimacy by delighting in their differences. The key, of course, is mutual understanding of what those differences are. Without that mutual understanding, you'll make assumptions and you'll assign motive as to why your spouse is acting or reacting the way they are. And when we make assumptions and assign motive, we always do it in a way to protect our own position. There are always exceptions to the rule. As you begin to learn about the differences between men and women and apply them to your own relationship and personalities, you may find that in some areas you may be switched from the typical man and typical woman. That's perfectly normal. Having said that, men typically focus on achievement, and women focus on relationships. I know this sounds simplistic, and and it probably is, but remembering this general rule can save you wear and tear on your marriage and strengthen your bond. Since we're using Drs. Les and Leslie Parrott as our current guides, let me include here, in their words, their own experience in beginning to discover the basic differences between men and women. We'll start with Leslie's perspective she says during our fourth or fifth month of marriage i remember wondering why Les wasn't as romantic as he used to be before we got married he was planning exciting evenings kiss me at red traffic lights saved ticket stubs from our dates bought me flowers and even wrote tender love poems but after we got married his romantic side waned it wasn't that he stopped his romantic ways altogether but something was really something was distinctly different. Why? I wondered to myself. Was I doing something wrong? Was he having doubts about our marriage? Not until I discovered the fundamental difference between men and women could I accurately answer these questions. Less, like the majority of men, is pragmatic. He focuses upon a future goal and needs to believe in the practical value of that goal. He justifies a present activity by what it will accomplish in the future. He asks, what good can this produce? He likes words like progress and useful. He can be very patient doing romantic little things so long as they ultimately prove productive. I on the other hand am like the majority of women. I focus on feelings and activities of the present for their own sake. I don't need a goal. It is enough to simply enjoy the moment. I ask, what is going on and how can I know and feel it? I don't need to be productive or see the utility of something. In fact, achievement seems deadly cold and distracting. I like words like connected and relational. I can be very patient doing romantic little things simply because the doing has its own value. Now let's look at Les' perspective, which of course is different. He says, Before our wedding, Leslie was happy-go-lucky and eager to please. She felt good about our relationship and optimistic about the future. But soon after we married, Leslie began to change, or so it seemed to me. She became overly concerned about our relationship and talked about ways to improve it. If I didn't join in, she felt hurt and rejected. Why has she so suddenly become emotional, I remember thinking. Why does she cry so easily now? Before we got married, she never seemed so impractical. Now at times, she seemed irrational to me. How could flowers be so important when we can hardly make ends meet, I'd wonder. Her desire to talk about our relationship made me feel I was a failure as a husband. Doesn't she appreciate all I do for her, I'd think? I, like most men, didn't feel the need to have lengthy discussions about our relationship. I was content to know that Leslie loved me, I loved her, and that we were on our way to a happy life together. What's to discuss? Getting all worked up over this or that detail was a waste of energy from my perspective. Well, before we move on with Les and Leslie's story of discovery, let me interject something. Men and women think about marriage relationship differently. Ladies, we men look at our marriage relationship the way most of you look at cars. We don't want to work on it. We just want it to work. Therefore, when you bring up working on our relationship, this brings up big red flags to us. Well, now back to Les and Leslie's story. Leslie goes on to say, Recognizing how fundamentally different men and women are allowed me to see that Les courted me to get married. It's that simple. Once we married, his purpose of courtship was accomplished, and he was ready to move on to other productive activities. It turned out that this sweet nothings were not nothings after all, but whisperings calculated to persuade me to the altar. It sounds deceptive, but it's not. In fact, Les presumed that I was just like him and that we would both continue romancing each other only so long as it had practical consequence. After that, he expected us both to move on to the real business of living. Les continued, I eventually realized that neither of us really changed after marriage, but our circumstances did. The goal that made me especially romantic was met, and the romance for romance's sake that Leslie valued was no longer a shared priority in the relationship. Because my energies were shifting to more practical matters of building a stable home with a secure future, it was hard for me to realize that Leslie did not see it exactly like me. She wanted to court and kiss for kissing's sake. And once married, she expected the same style of romance to continue forever. Our differences are not unique. They are universal. Men are motivated by achievement, women by relationships. So, when gender differences emerge in your marriage, don't judge your spouse as evil. But this may be what you do if you don't have mutual understanding. He or she did not deceive you. It simply took marriage to reveal your differences. The differences you bring together as woman and man are good and can be celebrated. As one body must have both a calculating head and a feeling heart, So one marriage is blessed with both gifts. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So how do you celebrate male-female differences? By meeting the unique needs that are part of your spouse's gender. Typically, men try to meet the needs that men value, and women try to meet the needs that women value. The trouble is, your husband's needs are not the same as your needs, and you cannot meet his needs by doing what you would do for another woman. Well, we'll pick up here next week. This is really going to be fun. Thanks for being with me today. I hope you've enjoyed your time together with us. Have a great weekend. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at Gary at dot org. To know more about the church, Go to our website at www.CloverdaleChurch.org. Thanks for listening, and be blessed.